Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So listen, how's your Christmas shopping going? You haven't started yet, have you? Well, fear not, the big interview is here to help solve all your problems. For the football fans in your life, here's three stocking fillers. Firstly, the documentary film of my book, Barca, The Making of the Greatest Team in the World, is now available everywhere on DVD and digital download. Take the Ball, Pass the Ball is the definitive story, we like to say, of the greatest football team ever assembled and features exclusive interviews with Barca's stellar cast of current and ex-players, including that geezer Lionel Messi, Xavi, Andres Iniesta, Thierry Henry, Dani Alves, Gerard Piquet, Carlos Puyol and Sergio Busquets, plus a rare exclusive contribution from Pep Guardiola himself. There, that's that one present sorted. Secondly... My old chum and fellow dandy, Jonathan Northcroft, has a new book out published by Backpage. These marvellous people that bring you the books, the podcasts. It's called Deadlines and Darts with Delhi, and it's Jonathan's World Cup diary from Russia last summer. And it's essential reading for the football fan in your life. Finally, check out another Backpage book, Football 2.0, How the World's Best Play the Modern Game by Grant Wall. Through extensive interviews with one player in every key position on and off the pitch, Grant breaks down the technical and tactical revolutions which have transformed football. So, there you have it. Take the ball, pass the ball, deadlines and darts with Delhi, football 2.0. That's not only difficult to say, it's Christmas sorted. Courtesy of your friends at the big interview. You're ho, ho, ho. Welcome. You're about to listen to an interview which our socios enjoyed in full 12 months ago. If you'd like to listen to these exclusive monthly big interviews on the day that they're released, it's time to join us. That means supporting us. It means the price of a pint per month. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. Go now, join and become a socio. That means you'll get that extra big interview every month. And you'll also unlock our entire archive straight away, all for £2.99 a month. It's the best deal in town, baby. And we need you. Honestly, believe me, you're going to enjoy listening to this. Objectively, I believe it's one of the best big interviews we've recorded. Jermaine has played successfully for West Ham, Bournemouth, Sunderland, England and Spurs, where the fans remember him so fondly that they still sing his name, even if he's playing or scoring against them. 
I adore the player he's become, that goal scorer that I've watched live and at times written about, and I found it interesting to discover the journey it's taken him to become the player he is today. During our podcast, Jermaine explains to me that it was never in doubt, even when he was a young boy, smashing up the house and constructing goalmouths out of the furniture in his flat, that he was destined to become a professional footballer. All in all, I think this is a fun, captivating and at times emotional interview. I commend to you Jermaine Defoe. Once in the past, you talked to me yourself as a kid. Not only did you love the ball and smash the house, but you kind of built little goals for yourself. Yeah. And even as a toddler, learning to run and kick, it was about scoring goals. Where does that surge from? I don't know where it came from, to be honest. I've always said from day one, having a gift from God. And, and just, I remember the things I used to do, was, it, it wasn't like anyone said, like, you know, you need to do this or you need to do that. It was something that was natural. It was something that I used to do, just growing up, just being around the house. And I used to just sort of like make a little goal, whether it's a chair or, or anything that's got that little space. And I used to throw the ball off the wall and volley it in between the post of the chair, the settee or whatever it was. And concentrating on the connection of the volley with both feet, directing it to where I wanted it to go. And I think doing that at a really young age probably helped me when I play for the school team mm-hmm. and I'm playing in games where the goals are bigger. Mm-hmm. I play for my district. So it almost became like natural. It was like it was easy because I've practised so much before finishing into a small goal. So when I got on a big pitch with big goals, it just seemed easy. There's the essence of football. Yeah. If you make it difficult and you practice in a difficult way all the time when it comes to the real thing, yeah. and people often say that about the Barca Madrid players, Spain players that I've been near for 15 years, that yeah. because they practice in tight spaces, once you give them the pitch, yeah, exactly. it, it looks fantastic but let's be honest it's nice saying that looking back from a distance after a brilliant career but when you're a kid breaking things in the house I guess it isn't easy for your parents to say oh, okay it doesn't matter yeah. about the lampshade or, or did you never miss anything never break anything I smash everything <laughs> my nan used to go mad but I mean as a kid I had so much love around me my mum had me when she was 18 so I think they knew how much football meant to me at such a young age so it was almost like yeah Tell him off on that, but at the same time, he's doing what he loves to do. Mm. And at the same time, I'm doing it in the house, I'm not on the streets. Even when my nan used to moan at me, I think, right, let me just try and find an- another space in the house where I could do it and that. But it was literally every day, just practice, practice, practice. Did you yeah. challenge yourself for that? Can I score 20 times yeah, before I get yeah, you know, but, sent to bed? But, but or... even, even doing it with both feet, I don't think anyone said to me, oh, do you know what? Like I say to kids now, when I meet kids and I, you know, I speak to them and I say, yeah, but you've got to practice with both feet, it's important. And, and, and a lot of the time, they don't actually realise the importance of it. but... Mm-hmm. When I was young, I always thought, you know what, I need to do it with both feet. I want to be good with both feet. You knew that instinctively. I knew instinctively. that from, from day one. I knew that. From day one, I knew. And then when I started playing for my first team, I was eight, and I played for Simrab. And even then, when I stayed behind after training, I always thought, right, I've got to shoot with both feet because it's important. I don't want to just be one-footed and get into situations in the game where it's on my left foot. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel comfortable to finish. And it's something that I did throughout my career, really. You know, you have the full range of every kind of finish. Distance, medium, left foot, right foot, yeah. instinctive. A striker who can handle having time to finish. I should do everything. I don't know, I remember at my auntie's house, you know when you get those, um, the children, the slides? Yeah, yeah. So it goes up like this and there's a little gap there's in little between. Gap, yeah. So what I'll do is I'll get like something and pull it. If the gap's here, I'll put something here. And what I'll do is I'll throw it off the wall and I'll do like a, a little dink into the gap so it was all sorts of finishes but it's only because I'm talking about it now I actually remember but again no one ever said to me right you need to do this it weren't like because obviously my mum dad split up when I was two so it was just my mum it weren't like my mum said oh you got to do this because she didn't understand even though my mum's brothers my uncles played football my mum just supported me but it was something that I just had inside me that I just did it was natural you've said two things my mum supported me and I grew up surrounded by love yeah it's a nice thing to say but it changes you as a human being what circumstances you grow up in of course yeah because 
I'm used to footballers saying I had nothing. I was treated yeah. badly yeah. or life was grim and this yeah. was my only way out. It was tough because obviously I grew up in, in East London, working class background. My nan worked in a, in a sugar factory. My granddad worked in a meat factory and sort of like just, I suppose, working around the clock really. Mm-hmm. My mum was one of six. My mum's pregnant at 17, had me at 18. Mm-hmm. And it was tough because even when my mum left my nan and granddad's house, it was just me and my mum like in a block of flat in Stratford in East London, mm-hmm. working around the clock just to provide food and just to buy me, like, my football kits and my boots and stuff like that. So all these sort of things, I remember everything. So even to this day, when people say, yeah, but what motivates you? And you get different characters, the lads that, I don't know, that are married, they might say, oh, my wife or my kids motivate yeah. me, or certain situations that they've been through in their lives and that. But I've always think about, you know, growing up in that sort of environment where I remember seeing, like, my nan and granddad working hard, grafting, my mum grafting and stuff like that. So I think, because I was in that sort of environment where it was tough for them, mm-hmm. but they worked hard. Mm-hmm. no matter what so I think just being in that environment the thing that still motivates me and just, just keeps me going and just keeps me working hard two interviews ago it was Ledley King so he sat down and obviously yeah. <laughs> there are many similarities in the things that I'm hearing that you said but Ledley talked about the cage he, he played in the cage it's just up the road for me yeah where the cage was sometimes full of ten people too many so yeah. it was a forest of bodies and he said so what you learned was when the ball comes that's a valuable moment because it ain't coming to you that you often and therefore yeah. keep it or learn how to use it well and but he, he, he said his mum was on a balcony overlooking the cage and it was a really big deal to her be able to watch where he was because these areas, without dramatising it, there were other paths to follow if you're not careful. Of course. Well, put it this way, one of my friends who I grew up with, he was a really good player mm-hmm. um, and probably should have gone on to play in the Premier League and stuff like that. He's, he's in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like he's like a life sentence. And a lot of my other friends you know, who I played with you know, end up in prison and stuff like that. So... Yeah, it, it, it could have been completely different. I understand that. My life could have been completely different if it weren't for my mum. I don't know, just stressing the importance of like working hard, you know, being disciplined. If she says to me, well, if you're telling me this is what you want to do and that's your passion, mm-hmm. I'll support you, but you've got to give it 100%. I don't expect you to come to me and say, mum, I want to be out on the streets yeah. smoking and drinking in the cage, because we had a cage as well when I lived okay. on the estate when we moved to the second house. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see you be doing that because at the end of the day, if this is what you're telling me, mm-hmm. this is what you want to achieve in life, then you can't be doing that. You can't be drinking. You have to be different from the rest. That's how it was with me. And that discipline with her, apart from loving her son and protecting her son, did that come from either, you know, they're right and wrong because of religious beliefs or right and wrong because how your, your nan and your granddad had taught her? That rigid vision of there's a right way forward. If you want to do this, I'll give you everything, but you must give me back. Where did that rule come from in her mind? I think both. Obviously, Christian background. I just think both, to be honest. I think... It's always difficult for parents, especially, I mean, she had me when she was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, still a kid, really. Yeah. To have that sort of like responsibility. So you grew up fast. My nan and granddad were quite strict. Even though my mum was the youngest out of the six. Um, the but youngest, maybe might have been spoiled because of being the youngest. Massively. The but a real strong character. I mean, I call my mum Oprah Winfrey. That's what I call her. <laughs> because that's who she reminds me of, because she's such a strong woman. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends... And family members, because I've got a big family, who sometimes they might have problems and stuff like that and they don't really want to... They don't feel comfortable talking to people, so they'll go to my mum. And that's my friends as well. So that's the sort of character she is. It's a huge position of respect. Of course, yeah. So, I mean, for me, it was sort of like, that's how she was with me. It was tough. There was time, obviously, as a kid, you want to be out with your friends. It's natural. You know? Yeah, but my mum was like, no, you've got to be home. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to eat well. You've got to go to bed early. You've got training tomorrow. It's important that you do well at school. All these sort of things. That's how she was. Was there any point when you were younger when the cost of a ball is difficult? You wouldn't easily lose a football or burst a football, would you? No, you wouldn't. And even when the levers coming off and stuff like that, you sort of like just peel it off and just get on with it. And even your first pair of boots and stuff like that, how I was saying to the lads today, how you get that first pair of boots and that night you sort of like get the dubbing and you what yeah. hot water and all these memories, man. It's just it's amazing because 
you never forget things like that. You don't take you don't take anything for granted and that because you you know where you've come from and how hard it was for your family and stuff like that. And then years later, you're in a position where you're you get given boots and, and you get everything you want everything really. But at the same time, it's always important to remember where you come from. You say that somebody will gift you something or you you get chauffeur driven around because a television company wants you, then you go like instantly, you go, oh, this is nice. Yeah, of course. And it can change you. It can envelop you and change you without it can you change even you, yeah. noticing. Without even noticing. And that's yeah. why it's important to have the people around you. Because a lot of times you can, people say that you're in a situation and you could be blinded. You, you might not mm. see. Like you said, it could change you. You might not even realise. But then you've got people around you and say, hold on a minute. Just, you know what I mean? Just, just chill out a little bit. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Saying, Rab, um, it keeps coming up time and time again. You wouldn't have been an exact cohort of Ledley, would you? Or Ledley, you? Ledley's like, uh, was two years up. I was going to say, you remember the noise and the huge number of pitches and the terrible state some of the dressing rooms were in. But Senrab was vital for him. And he also said that when he saw John Terry, even at that age, it was just instant impact about the ferocity, what he would do on the pitch to win in sporting as yeah. well as in competitive terms. Give me the things that, that surge up from your memory now that we've walked that memory. Our days. Yeah. Arriving at Wednesday Flats, smelling like the that, that football smell was like vapour rub. Wintergreen. Yeah. yeah. Right, I used to smell that and I used to, I used to love it. It was just like, okay, it's football time because that's all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted to do. That's all I was interested in. Didn't care about anything else. And then I think we'd actually turn up in our kits, jump out your mum and dad's car, get in the change, put your boots on and it was just the best thing in the world. You know, in the morning, couldn't, I couldn't even eat my breakfast. I was so excited. Yes. But even then, I'm talking about when I was eight, nine, all about goals, all about goals. I, I, I want to score goals. I want to score goals. You know, if I scored three, I wanted to score four. If I scored four, I wanted to score five. And that's just just that that fire in my belly that I had from, from day one, where just that buzz of scoring goals on a Sunday morning was just so important to me. Because even then, because you're a goal scorer, were you treated differently? Because... No matter how we want to talk about football and the beauty of creation or playing out from the back now or the cleverness of an Iniesta, it doesn't matter how you want to garland football and great thinker, it's about goals. Goals win games. Goals win games. It's as simple as that. Yeah. We all wanted to be a striker. Sergio Busquets says to me, oh, the only thing that disappoints me in my career is I want to score goals yeah. because goals are the most beautiful that everybody yeah. wants you to even, score. But even like um, you, get, you get people that have achieved a lot in their lives, I don't know, Singers and stuff like that. The One Direction guys, like, if you had a choice, what would you be? Oh, I wanted to be a footballer. Football. Let's go and go. <laughs> it's crazy, you know? Yeah, for me, it was just like, I don't know, it was just... Even before the games, watching videos of Ian Wright, you know, in my room and stuff like that, and then just, just couldn't wait for my next game, couldn't wait for my next game. I'm going to emulate the players I've seen on TV. I just want to score goals, hoping one day, 
you know, I can go on and, and score, even if it's that one goal in the Premier League or even if it's that one goal for England and stuff like that. And, you know, from the Simrab days and just lead... Did like, you visualise what you'd like to do? Did you have it in your mind, like, when, you know, you're dreaming at night or you're thinking about the game four days away? I knew, I knew. But even, like, if I say it to people, I knew I was going to be a footballer. That's me just being totally honest. It's how I felt and my mindset from day one and what I used to say to people. Because if you spoke to any of my family members, my aunties, my uncles, my mum... I knew from I knew that there was nothing that was going to stop me from going on to become a professional and, and, and score goals in the Premier League and score goals in my country. I just knew from day one. And people say, "But what did, what did it feel like on that day when you scored?" You can't you can't explain it. Uh, you can't explain. You can't actually get the word. You can't explain it. You can try it. Uh-huh. You, 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 you can't explain. You've it. helped me there because you stopped me making a fool of myself. Because yeah. all throughout my career, yeah. because you know I played at amateur level and any yeah. kind of I played football and hockey. And it, Beating the goalkeeper, putting the ball past somebody, scoring, lifting your team, the timing of where's the ball coming to it. Even for an idiot like me, it's the best. I, I could talk for a day about that one question. Yeah, you might not get it right, but it, it brings out all kinds of emotions. So, like, without saying it's just this phrase, what you've used it when you you talked about having to lie in an ice bath in order to be ready and prepare, and it's not very good. But my reward is, I know that feeling a goal gives me. Yeah, exactly. Talk so about it then. What, the preparation beforehand? No, that, that that goal feeling. If it's not just the moment, talk it's, about goals, professional scoring, professional high-level goals for Spurs, West Ham and Toronto and England and scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring. Well, I mean, it's, it's like, I remember when I scored the, the volley uh, for Sunderland against Newcastle and in my celebrations, I cried when I scored and then, and then people said like, oh, why did you cry when you scored that goal? So I don't know. Because that's how much it means to me. Like some people just, everyone's different. You get people scream and all that sort of stuff. But because I wanted to do it so badly in that game, the emotion and just everything. When, when I scored, even if it was a tapping, I still think I would have, you know what I mean? It would have brought tears to my eyes. And it's happened to me a few times in games, to be honest. I remember when I scored the fifth against Wigan, I got emotional because this is how much it means to me. This, like, this is something that's been like, from Simrab day, this is what I wanted to do from day one. And that feeling I like, get inside me, it's just, it's just the best feeling in the world. And, and I've always said you've got to embrace it because you know that day when you sort of like when you finish playing, you're gonna miss that. Do you know what I mean? So much. In how many instances are you aware of the crowd or the keeper beating his fist in the ground or your teammates celebrating before they've reached you, or is it just a total zone out for it's 15, totally, 20 seconds? Or yes, what? it's a it's a zone out because especially with me because before games I always try and visualise me scoring goals and stuff like that. So it's almost like when I do it, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because I've played it in my mind so much. I've played it over and over in my mind all week in training, you know, and, and doing my finishing in training and you get into the same position and you finish. I mean, you shouldn't be surprised because you've, you've rehearsed it so much. You should be confident you're going to go out there on a weekend and you're just going to make it happen. So it's almost like, but just that, that buzz, knowing that, you know what, you've worked so hard on that and got the opportunity and then bang, and you've taken it. And then that's when you sort of like, that's when you recognise, the, the, you know, the, like the crowd and the fans and stuff. You just feel so important. And um, not only the, the fans, but your, 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 your fellow teammates. Mm-hmm. You know, you've helped your teammates, mm-hmm. you've helped your team and your club. And it's, it's, a, it's, such a, it's such a big thing, it's a massive thing, and it's just the, the best feeling. I think we can recognise, or at least it feels to me that I often criticise, particularly colleagues in the media, something will happen on a football pitch and it'll maybe land in a disciplinary. And the mode these days is to hammer and it's, it's unbelievable. How could they do that? For, say, for example... Cristiano Ronaldo this year in the Super Cup plays against Barcelona, comes on, scores a goal in the 3-1 away win at the Camp Nou for the first leg of the Super Cup. It's a very, very good goal. He scored at the Camp Nou. 
And um, he strips off his jersey and he's turning it. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. You can count the muscles in it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a horrible picture. But he then gets fouled by Umtiti and it is a penalty and the referee doesn't give it. And he does something stupid. He gets second booking, sent off, pushes the referee, blah, blah, blah. But it all stems back to that taking the jersey off because if you don't get booked, the second booking isn't a sending off. You don't push the referee and it just is a bad day at the office, not a yeah, six-game yeah, ban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That taking the jersey off, it's like in that moment, I'm not defending him specifically, I've always thought players who score goals when they go and gesture to their opposition fans or they... It's like, you're not, it's like you're not in control of what you're doing. That's what I feel. It's like you're not in control of what you're doing for that, I don't know, however long it is, five seconds where you, you scored and it's just like... Bang, you just, do you know what I mean? You're not really in control of what you're doing. So the fact that he took his jersey off is because he's so excited and it means so much to him. He's pumped. Can you imagine? You take your jersey off. Fair enough. You know, you, you, the rules say you're not allowed to do it anymore. No, but you're not thinking. But you're not thinking. No. Because he's just done, he's just done something so mm. special and he knows that. The emotion of the game, like, but the rules said you're not allowed to do it. But really, is it a big thing? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's Have you not. got any celebrations in that? moment that you're really proud of that you laugh at or that you remember or I don't think you always celebrated identically you didn't have an out and out trademark no 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 always different it's always got to be di- it's always got to be different I remember when I was younger and I'd done a, a, a couple I remember I done a documentary and I did this one I was at Tottenham remember that song that song Usher Let It Burn I did this I did this thing and that I swear it recently it was funny but I like that though because you know sometimes when you've planned something I planned the celebration all week so I was like okay if you're planning you better score against Burnley and it was a nice goal and I did it and that but because I planned it I think that fried me up even more I think I have to score just waiting for the chance and then bang you score so it's nice and that but I understand the game's changed a lot now there's so many rules and stuff like that but at the same time I mean I think people do understand that when you do score a goal it's sort of like you know you just you go mad and you do things perhaps you shouldn't do but it's just part and parcel isn't it before I move on to another subject we've got lots of questions we've got you know a lot of people who join us and become member socios so let me mention Alan Horan of all the managers you've played under and this might link to my next section anyway who's had the biggest influence in your career the biggest influence of any manager any coach I'll say Harry Redknapp yeah because from day one I mean, when I was 15, Harry uh, apparently said to some of the, the scouts at West Ham, um, there's this young kid I want, go and get him. And it was as simple as that, go and get him. But, you know, this is, this is who I want. Mm-hmm. And uh, just made it happen. 16, signed for West Ham. So you were then at Charlton? I was at Charlton first. Yeah. And then he wanted me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at a place called Lillyshaw. don't know if you remember. Wow, the centre for, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was at Lillyshaw for two years. Because that was a let's for those who don't have so that, that, that was a hard place to get into because it was a centre for excellence. Centre for excellence, like um, the best sixteen boys in England. I mean, when I went to the first trial, it was that two thousand boys at the first trial, and they narrowed it down to the sixteen. You weren't intimidated. Um, I wasn't intimidated because the last two days, where there was like two hundred boys, you go to Lillyshaw and you play two games, and that's it. The first day you played eleven v eleven, the next day you played eleven v eleven. The first game I scored five, and the second game I scored five. So it's almost like. I'm waiting for my letter, sort of thing. Yeah. So when my letter came, I was I was delighted. Obviously, it was the it was the at that time it was the the best thing that ever happened to me. But I knew because I, obviously I produced in the games as simple yeah. as that, and I, yeah. I was ready for it. I was confident. I was always confident growing up. Anyway, um, I, I always believed in myself. I always believed in my ability, um, and I knew I could score goals, and I felt like I could I could score goals at any level. So yeah. So when I did that, and I went to Liverpool for two years, and then that's when sort of like Harry thought we need this kid and that and I signed for West Ham at 16 and it was just the best thing ever again because right now now this is this is where it really starts because that football environment where you're training every day 
it's every man to themselves, really. You've got to get yourself, you're in the youth team, but the, the main aim is to get yourself in the first team. Mm-hmm. And the first day I signed, I walked in, it was the first person I saw, Ian Wright, who was my idol. Mm-hmm. Um, then I saw Rio Ferdinand. Then I saw, saw like Michael and Joe. Um, Joe was at Lily Shaw with me. It was a year. Yeah, right, yeah, it was my senior. Mm-hmm. When I walked in, I just felt like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm at the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, a year after they won the Youth Cup, I just knew I had that good feeling. Um, a year later, I made my debut. So it was... Harry's been part of this interview series Yeah. Um, on the coast in his beautiful house with the Pilates Club going on and Barney the dog barking in the, in the background and a 17-foot TV screen with the races going on over my shoulder. And yeah. these things about Harry that, that we adore, and I think he's a funny, characterful man, and I keep writing about how when he's not in English football anymore, everybody will suddenly go, bloody hell, we miss him, and we miss people like him. But yeah. What that masks, I think, is that he's always had a trust in talented, creative footballers. He's always said... That's the brand of football I want. And he's, yeah. okay, in your case, he trusted you, he picked you, and then he promoted you. And that, that I'm saying something true about Harry, am I? That yeah. It's not about the, the buying and selling or no. the, 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 the fact he's a brilliant raconteur of funny no. anecdotes. He's got a it's brilliant that. football brain and he trusts talent. Yeah, it's just that satisfaction I think he gets from producing players and players that go on to represent their country as well because, mm. you know, the likes of me... Joe Cole, Michael Carrick, Rio Ferdinand, even Glenn Johnson, really, from 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 when he came to the football club when he was young. So it was just like, uh, I mean, it's just just amazing, really, because, and even after that, you know, the boys always used to. There was this thing in the change rooms, this joke, you know, um, they used to say, "That's my dad, that's your dad in football." Harry because he was, yeah, yeah, because every club he went to, he'd, he'd want me. <laughs> and the, the thing with Harry as well, that was, I mean, for me, that was. Amazing is the the confidence that he used to give you because he never with me he never really used to complicate anything. All he used to say to me is, "Just go and score goals," and that was it. Go and go and do what you do. Go and score goals, and that was it. You know, if he wanted me to come to another club, I would speak to him. Just come here and score goals. Just do what you do, and that was it. I was like, "Wow!" Didn't complicate anything. Didn't you know? Go and score goals. I know you can do it. Just go and express yourself and go and score goals. And he's telling you he trusts you and he's giving you responsibility. A quickie before we move on in that case. I think you've already touched on it. When you were growing up, who were the players that stood out to you and did you model your game around any of them? And that's from Adam Morgan. Ian Wright. For many reasons. Obviously, the obvious one is the goals and stuff like that. But I think for someone to come into the game so late and to to score those many goals that he did for Arsenal, break the record, obviously, before Thierry come along. A unique story, mm-hmm. a real special story, you know. Um, I mean, he was a painter, a decorator, mm-hmm. you know, had a job and, and he was happy doing that. Then he just went to a trial at Palace, quite relaxed about it, ended up getting a contract, you know, scored two goals in a cup final against Man United and then bang, went to Arsenal and then the rest is history. You know, the celebrations. I was going to say, the, did the, you like the, the fact the, that he also had a bit of style the and passion? And one wit. of those, yeah, and, and right, obviously, a bit of the old school where that old school mentality is. Put a contract there, I'll just sign it. I don't even need to look because for me, the, mo- the most important thing is scoring goals. The money side, of all the other side that takes care of itself, that's not important to me. Just just let me play football. This is what I love doing. And for me, it was just like studying that tape and DVD, just sitting in my room at night, just watching it, just watching the, all different types of finishing, left foot, right foot, you know, little dinks over the goalkeeper, clever finishing, movement, everything. If ever you need reaffirmation of a Christian belief, you have all those dreams, you're a little bit inspired by them, you look to copy them and you, you come in the door and for State West Ham and who's yeah, there it's not coincidence these things <laughs> I don't are just, think so yeah it's part of your story this, these things are just meant to happen it's, uh, it's definitely not a coincidence not at all thank you for joining us for season 2018-19 
We've got huge creative plans for the months ahead, but we do need your help to make them happen. Please go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and become a social, become a paying member and get an extra big interview every month plus loads of bonus content. Last season, socios listened to nine exclusive big interviews including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, Roberto Di Matteo and loads of me talking about football. The Premier League, the Champions League, Spanish football. I'm sure they enjoyed it and you will too. Support us, join us. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.